Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. If you are curious about what security and what vendor bank validations are possible in a vendor self-registration portal, today is a great episode for you. So keep listening. Welcome to episode 121. Here's how a vendor self-registration portal can add security and validation to vendor banking. Now, before I get started, I do wanna make one clarification. So I am talking about a full-blown vendor onboarding, vendor registration um, portal, not necessarily an e-invoicing or invoicing tool where a vendor is creating, you know, a light um, registration just so they can upload their invoices. I am talking about a portal that replaces your vendor onboarding and existing vendor uh, change process. And so with that, you know, I do want to also say that far too often when you hear of accounts payable or AP automation, the conversation is around processing invoices. But for vendor teams, vendor self-registration portals can provide that AP automation necessary to eliminate manual processes such as collecting and updating vendor banking based on documents received via email. So whether you currently have a vendor portal uh, or are thinking about the future, here's some ways that a vendor portal can add security and validation to vendor banking. And I included security in this one because um, the security surrounding collecting that information, um, what I say to do if, if you're doing that manually via email is to have an authentication process. But there are, security um, features within these portals that mean you don't have to do that. The login process um, as well as some other features can replace that authentication process if you're collecting that vendor documentation via email. All right, so let's look at security access and roles. And these features may be configurable in the portal by the third-party provider 
or they may need to be handled by your IT team or a combination. And so the first thing under security access and roles is that vendor registration email. So this is where you invite the vendor and then the vendor will get an email. Now, if possible, do not send the username and password in the same email. Send them in separate emails. And so if you have that, again, that vendor portal, they're going to send or you're going to generate an invite to the vendor and that invite is going to include a username and a temporary password. Um, if possible, have them send those in separate emails and that uh, makes that a bit more uh, secure so that uh, anyone that is, um, uh, I don't know, an email takeover situation or is you know monitoring the emails, they'll have to monitor more than one or catch it more than uh, catch more than one email. All right, the second one is inactivity logout. So make sure you require the vendor to log in again after a set period has elapsed. I will say as a vendor myself with some of my clients, um, there have been times where I will register in their portal um, and I only had to you know, register uh, the one time or sign in that one time and anytime afterwards during that project, all I had to do was kind of key in a portion of the address. It'll bring it right back up and I never had to sign in again. So make sure that your vendor portal requires um, them to sign in or the vendor to sign in after a set period has elapsed. Now, the next one uh, is single sign-on or SSO. So this is where there is no login required. Uh, some portals have this feature available for both internal employees and for the vendors. Now, I've done that for internal employees in the past, uh, but some portals will include vendors as well. Now, this can be a convenience for internal employees or for the vendors. However, you need to determine what is best for your company's security requirements. So bring in your security team if necessary. Also bring in your InfoSec uh, information security team as well. So moving on to the next one, and the next one is multi-factor or two-factor authentication, uh, MFA. Now, while this is not foolproof, especially in today's age where you have scenarios such as email account takeover, um, it will trigger an additional authentication. Now, some portals require it at each login. Some portals don't require it at all. Um, other systems or portals will be configurable to only require um, uh, multi-factor or two-factor authentication uh, from the vendor side if they log in from a different IP address or a different country, um, et cetera. And I think that not only from a vendor side, but can be configured from the employee side if they don't have single uh, sign-on as well. And the last one under security access and roles, I've talked about this one before, um, but it's the least privileged access. So wherever the vendor banking is stored, whether it's the ERP, the vendor portal, other third-party tool, in this case, we're gonna assume it's the vendor portal, 
access to the full bank account really needs to be limited. So only give access to sensitive vendor information, um, including the tax ID, banking information, um, et cetera, to internal employees that need it. And consider masking all except the last four digits of a sensitive number, such as the tax ID um, and the banking, um, when it is needed to make sure they have the right vendor record. Now, another thing that you can consider just masking all together is uh, the birth date. Uh, and there was one portal that I had to register in for a client that required my birth date. And so if you're collecting the birth date, because I do know in some scenarios or cases with uh, uh, W-8s, the IRS for an individual will require that you collect that individual's birthday. And then I know there are some countries out there that require the collection of the birth date. Um, and I think Italy is one of them. But in those cases, if you are collecting the birth date, just consider masking the entire thing um, for everyone except those employees that absolutely have to have it, such as uh, the vendor team. And if you're wondering why you have to like show uh, the last four digits of like um, the tax ID number or uh, the bank account number, it's just for verification purposes. And if anyone outside of the vendor team needs to verify they're on the right record, uh, they can verify that with the last four digits of the tax ID. Now, the last thing I want to say about that is you may, you want to make sure you include the vendor self-registration portal on the internal employees uh, transfer termination checklist and do a recurring security role audit to ensure that access is removed when employees leave the company or their tasks change, they move to different departments, make sure that there's a checklist and that this uh, vendor self-registration portal is on that checklist so that um, you don't have uh, employees that no longer need access with access. Okay, so that was security roles or security access and roles, and now we're gonna move to uh, vendor bank validation. So the first thing is the bank branch details, that validation. This is where you are verifying that um, routing number and even the bank uh, branch address. Some vendor portals will have the ability to validate that routing uh, number, SWIFT code, BIC number, um, and the IBAN format as well as that bank address. The next one is the bank account ownership validation, which is um, really everyone wants to know about now because of all the fraud that's occurring. You wanna make sure that your vendors uh, is the one that is on the bank account you're about to pay. Now, some vendor portals will have the ability to link to a bank account ownership validation service, such as early warning or GIAC systems to match the vendor legal name to the bank account holder name. And also in some cases, uh, the tax ID uh, that was used to open up the bank account to the tax ID of uh, the vendor that you're, uh, that you're verifying. Now for this to work, you will need to have a separate account which 
with whichever service you go with. Uh, and then you can then have that API'd uh, or integrated with your portal. So that feature is available. Now, if you don't have um, all uh, uh, that validation, um, or maybe you do, but not all vendors will be able to maintain um, their own registration. And so you still need, or you may still need a branded banking ACH form, company branded bank ACH form. Because again, not all vendors will be able to maintain their own registration, either because they are a government, a regulatory agent, or you know, uh, a vendor that refuses to adopt uh, the vendor portal. They will not register. Um, and so there will need to be an internal employee, a proxy that could be the vendor team, that could be the internal employee that's requesting the goods or services. They will need to register on behalf of the vendor and to collect that information, then you need that company branded banking ACH form. So the internal employee will need to collect that vendor banking form from the vendor and upload it into the portal. So you wanna have the vendor complete that form and again, include authenticating data. And I say again, I haven't mentioned it in this podcast, but I do say it often and I have webinars um, as well uh, on how to authenticate the data and put that authentication within the vendor banking form so you know you're collecting it from that vendor. Um, but anyway, have them collect that form, make sure it includes the authenticating data, um, and that can be old, the old banking, uh, tax ID, remit address, uh, the last three uh, uh, payments, uh, the last three payments, so deposit date and payment amounts, um, anything so you can reduce the potential that the banking information um, was collected from a fraudster. So make sure you include that authenticating data um, and uh, in case um, you still need to use those branded banking ACH forms, which if you have um, uh, proxies, uh, internal employees still collecting that information from some of your vendor types, then you will need that. Now, the good news is though, is that um, the, the next one or the last one that I have is uh, OCR and doc type. So when they collect the internal employees, the proxies collect that uh, vendor banking form, that company branded ACH form, um, there can be OCR and a doc type uh, that is that those features available in the portal. So again, where the proxy has collected the banking information and the form, or if you require it from um, your vendors, some portals can specify a specific doc type and can verify that the uploaded document is the required form versus, you know, a random picture of a dog or something. Um, so some, some portals can do that. And an added benefit is that it allows the vendor team or the audit team to search by a specific doc type. So if you have a doc type that's specifically for the vendor uh, uh, banking form, the company branded ACH form, then you can just search by that. And then again, with that OCR, you can verify that they actually did upload that form and not a picture of their pet, a dog or cat or something. 
Okay, so that's what I had for security access roles and then also for vendor bank validation and what um, features there are out there under those categories for the vendor's self-registration portals. I will say though, portals are continuously evolving. Um, so I am certain I have left something out. And my advice to you is if you are implementing a portal or you already have a portal, if you don't already have a the manual um, or a way to identify what uh, features and functionality is available, make sure you get that. Um, if it's a manual, make sure you read it from cover to cover and know what is available and what is configurable. Also, keep in mind while you're doing that, that you're not moving your current process, your current vendor process to a portal. Rather, you are implementing a new process, taking advantage of technology to remove fraud and add efficiency. And hopefully uh, some of these uh, items under security access and roles and vendor bank uh, validation will help you add efficiency and remove fraud. Now, I will have a webinar, uh, and by the time this is published, it will be on demand, but I will include a link to the blog for this podcast, and within that blog, you can click on the link to the webinar of the same name. Here's how to, uh, a vendor self-registration portal can add security and validation to vendor banking. And in that webinar, I will include much more detail. And then you can also listen to any questions that were asked at the end. And so uh, definitely check that out if you're interested. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 121st episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.